welcome to Here on this podcast, we have mental health, life lessons, mindset and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. This is a trigger warning to preface this episode. This episode may include explicit content, graphic details, or heavier, sensitive, and mature topics. We may discuss sexual assault, rape, abuse, and trauma. Listen at your own risk and take precaution if you are suffering or recovering from abuse, rape, or sexual assault. The following episode could contain such content. The last thing I would want is for this episode to trigger or provoke negative thoughts or feelings. Please practice self-care by choosing to listen in doses, listen with a trusted friend, or skip this episode entirely. I am back here today with a new guest with me, and it's been a long time coming that we've been connecting and trying to collaborate, so I'm so excited that we are finally getting the time to sit down together today and chat, and I met her through a podcasting group, so I will be getting to know her alongside the rest of you all, and I'm very excited to have that opportunity. So I will let you introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us who you are and what is your story. Hi, everyone. My name is Chidera. I am Nigerian. I am Igbo. I would say that I am just a young woman who is figuring life out. I recently moved to a different country about a few years ago. So it's very different from me now living alone and all that. But at the end of the day, I'm learning a lot. And I would say that I'm always looking forward to doing new things. Also, I have a podcast as well. It's called Rants with Chidera the RWC podcast. And I decided to create this podcast to talk about topics centered around adulting because like I said previously, I'm just trying to figure out life as a young woman. And so my podcast was just about me talking about things that I've discovered on my own, things that I've learned with my friends and families and how I've been able to deal with these different things. On the other side, on the serious side, I would say that I'm a graduate of software engineering and I work for an IT firm. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. And so we have connected because we are both survivors of sexual assault. And so that's what we're going to cover and dive into today. So wherever you're comfortable starting and however much you're wanting to tell, what is your experience as a survivor of sexual assault or abuse? This would be my first time telling this story so please bear with me if I maybe say too much but okay so I would say that my story as um, sexual abuse survivor is pretty new 
I've been abused once. It has happened again and again. I would say like three times now. But the first time, right, was basically somebody that I knew, somebody that I was comfortable with. I would say that at that time, I was young. I was 18. I didn't know what consent was. I didn't know what it means to be assertive with what I wanted. And this person basically just took advantage of me and advantage of the fact that I wasn't assertive enough. And after this had happened, to be honest, I didn't realize I was abused. I felt like it was something that I created room for until a few years after when people started telling their stories of sexual abuse people started saying their experiences and then I had to sit back and think two years before and it was like oh wait what happened this person actually abused you you know you didn't agree to this this wasn't what happened and I started thinking about that and that was when it dawned on me that oh I was sexually assaulted and this was a situation of you know you're talking to somebody and you find yourself with this person you know alone and all and then next thing the person rapes you the person says oh i thought you wanted it or we were getting in the mood and i just i just thought this was yes right and even though i had explained to this person you know even prior to the first conversation that oh i've never had sex before I don't want to have sex. But then when we were kissing and all that, and then this person forced his way in and I was just numb, right? I remember very well that after everything, he was dropping me back home and he was asking me and he was like, oh, I hope you enjoyed it and whatever. And I was just sitting down there in the car quiet and I was like, what just happened? Like, But I kept telling myself, you know, you put yourself in that position. And because that's what I was thought, that's what I've been hearing around me. So a few years after, when I really understood what it means to give an assertive yes or no, when I really understood what consent meant, that was when I started realizing that, oh, what happened on that day wasn't consensual. Mm -hmm. That was a situation of me being manipulated into doing something that I didn't want to do. And I will lie to you, I didn't heal from it. I didn't speak to anybody about this. I kept this to myself. Even my really close friends didn't know until like years after. I wouldn't say years after because it just happened, you know, a few years ago. But I would say like two years after, that was when I was able to tell my friends and be like, oh, you guys, what happened two years ago wasn't consensual. And then fast forward to that, something similar again happened in this situation almost the same situation but with somebody else and this was you know somebody basically forcing me because I remember saying no that I didn't want it but he forced me and I remember that I bled I remember that I was Mm. bleeding after that experience I spoke to my friend but I lied to my friend again and I said to her and I was like oh you know I wanted it and I just didn't want to feel raped if that made Mm -hmm. sense Yeah, so that's my story. That's my own story of sexual abuse. Thank you for sharing with us. I actually resonate so much with that. And it's very common for survivors to not even realize 
that it was sexual assault or sexual abuse for years later, especially when it's a scenario where it's someone you knew or it's someone you're on a date with, like date rape, because Mm -hmm. we have these narratives in society that rape is only in a dark alleyway by a stranger and you have to be kicking and screaming and that's just not the case all the time. That absolutely does Mm -hmm. happen, but there is such a thing as date rape and there is such a thing as sexual abuse by loved ones, even Uh friends. And I think we don't talk enough about how coercion is not consent and that if you consent to kissing them, that doesn't mean that they have the right away to take it further and I just resonate with your story because I didn't realize in the moment either. And it was very confusing. I was always left very shocked afterwards because I was like, did I do something to bring this upon myself? Like, I didn't want that, but how did that happen? And I think it is very powerful to share our stories because that is one of the reasons that I did realize that it wasn't consensual and that it was rape because hearing other people's stories and doing my research into what consent means and what sexual abuse can look like. You know, I had like light bulb moments where all of the check boxes were being checked. And I was like, this is weird that I'm resonating with other survivors' stories. So maybe this wasn't my fault and maybe this this did happen. Yeah, I, I agree with you because, you know, when people started coming out to tell their stories, it wasn't the typical, I was just walking down the street and at night and somebody just grabbed me mm-hmm. and forced me. It wasn't like that. When I when people were telling their stories, it was more of this is somebody that I knew, this is somebody mm-hmm. that I went on a date with, this is somebody that we were already getting intimate. You know, I consented to maybe kissing and all. But then at the end of the day, he did this to me. You know, people had very similar stories and that was what gave me the courage you know I felt mm-hmm. like okay I'm not alone I'm not stupid because yeah. before it used to be like you know my head I'm just like oh you're a stupid girl like you should have said no like you should have just shouted you should have just pushed the person away or you know saying to myself like okay so why did you find yourself in that position why did you kiss him in the first place mm-hmm. why did you agree to kiss him why did these were the thoughts that were coming to me, right? But when people were sharing their stories to me, it was like, oh, wow, like I'm not alone. And this is something that's normal. This is something that has been happening to people. And I felt less stupid, if that makes make sense. I felt like, okay. Oh, yeah. And it kind of like redefined the whole definition of rape for me. I remember this was just like maybe two years ago that I really understood the meaning of rape, you know, understanding that it doesn't have to be a forceful situation where somebody is maybe beating you or hitting you down. There's so many ways in which you could be manipulated, in which you could be abused sexually. And I'm grateful to everybody who has that courage to tell their stories, even if it takes you 10 years, even if it takes you five years. It's a good experience for me and and I'm grateful to everyone. Super appreciative for you being open and honest about your story because it can absolutely do the same thing for others and open up a new layer of healing and understanding about maybe what happened to them. So I appreciate you being here. 
those thoughts of blaming yourself or being confused with like how you let that happen, that's just a byproduct of rape culture and the victim blaming that happens where, you know, we don't hold the abusers and the rapists accountable. Accountable, exactly. Yes, we always yes. are like, well, what were they wearing? Why were they there? Why did they mm-hmm. kiss him? You know, and it's like, no, it's not your fault for opening yourself up and trusting someone. It is absolutely their fault for taking advantage of you and for doing that. But I know we get so in our heads of blaming ourselves and trying to figure out like how you let this happen or how you could have prevented it when really you can't control other people's actions when they just force themselves upon you. And that was also for me, something that I realized when hearing other people's stories of like, oh, I don't think it was their fault. I don't blame them what happened to them. And I'm angry at their abuser because they were absolutely in the wrong. And then kind of realizing, oh, that means it also wasn't my fault. And yeah, it was my rapist's fault and, you know, all those things. Yeah, definitely. I came to the realization that you shouldn't blame yourself for the bad things that people do to you. At the end of the day, it's on them. They are the mm-hmm. ones who are bad. They are the ones who, who hurt you. And you shouldn't blame yourself ever for, you know, trusting someone and then they take advantage of you. It's not your fault that they're bad people. I was in a position where I blamed myself a lot. Like, because at the end of the day, coming from, you know, someone who is Nigerian, who grew up in Nigeria, coming from that environment, if you hear stories of rape, the first questions people ask are, what was she doing there? What was she wearing? Nobody ever come for the rapist first. They just always come for the women saying things like, oh, why was she in that position? Why did she allow me? Why did she go to his house? Asking her several questions. And I'm just like, why would you blame someone just because they trusted another human being? Mm-hmm. Like that's unfair. And even when people come with their stories, like 10 years after, you see, see people say things like, oh, why did it take you so long to speak? I feel like that's just very unfair. So in that environment, that is why I always feel the need to actually advocate against um, rape culture, against sexual abuse. This is because I know that I grew up in an environment where we don't come for the abusers. We always Mm -hmm. come for the women. We always blame the women for everything. And it just makes people not want to speak up more. It makes people very reluctant to speak up. I won't lie to you. I was very reluctant to have Mm -hmm. this conversation with you at first. I agreed to it at first. And then when you sent me the email, I just kind of went back. I had to do a lot of thinking about it. And I was like, oh, am I ready to speak? Because I didn't want to feel judged. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's what people do. They would judge the woman. They never give that same energy to the abuser. And people think that this whole sexual abuse and all that is something that we've kind of solved in the society, but it's still happening to today. Mm-hmm. And people are still getting raped. People are still getting abused. And it's just really unfair. Yeah. It's frustrating when people do have those questions of like, well, why did it take you so long to speak up? If this really happened to you, you would have reported it immediately or you would have... Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. spoken out immediately and it's like no because 
rape culture creates an environment where we doubt ourselves and we doubt what actually happened and we blame ourselves. And then seeing the response to other survivors opening up where you're tearing apart every aspect of their story and tearing apart their character or what they did or didn't do rather than actually doing that to the predator, the perpetrator, it's like, that's really discouraging. And that doesn't create a safe place where women feel like they can just open up and be believed and supported. And so it's like, it's yeah. frustrating when people ask those things, because it's like, look at how we respond in the first place. That's very true. We, we need to work on how we respond to, you know, survivors in the first place, because that's what's going to give everybody the encouragement. I mean, I wouldn't have spoken up if I didn't see the way other women were brave enough to speak up and they're now getting the support. Better now, unlike years back, now people are now getting the support and it just gives people the courage to speak up. It gives people the courage to speak about it. So even if it takes you 20 years Whenever you're ready, you you can feel free to speak about your, you know, tell your story. And, you know, at the end of the day, people want to heal first before they feel more comfortable talking about things like this. So, yes, whenever you heal and whenever you're ready to speak about it, that's fine. Like, don't feel pressured. Don't let anybody try to pressure you into saying you know your story when you're not ready because at the end of the day it's your environment how they take other people's stories would encourage you to speak up conveniently yes yes that's a beautiful message and i totally agree i think that sharing your story gives other people the permission to be supported and believed and have the space to also share their story. I know when I first opened up on social media about what happened to me, I had an outpouring of love and so many people being like, me too, me too. I had a similar mm -hmm. experience. And I even had like 65 year old woman who was like, something like this happened to me in high school. And I didn't realize that it was rape. And that's the first time that I've told anyone. And it's like, that breaks my heart. But it's also so powerful that yeah, we're finally creating spaces where women can realize what happened to them and unlock a new level of healing because they realize it, it wasn't their fault. And that was real. And they're not crazy. And they're not alone. So what was the climax or turning point for you where you started this journey of healing and recovery and you realized what happened to you? What forms of healing have worked for you personally? I would say the climax for me, the turning point for me was when it happened again and then it happened to somebody really close to me. And at that point, it really dawned on me and that situation. I was just like, oh my God, like I need to heal from this because you know, when you don't speak to somebody about something and when people have, you know, certain conversations about, you know, relating to sexual abuse, I'm watching a movie and, they, you know, I'm seeing scenes where people are being abused and then I start having flashbacks, right? So I started having these flashbacks and I would just see myself, you know, crying or someone 
tweet on twitter somebody comes and tells their story somebody that i probably even know on twitter and then everybody talks about it and then it just triggers and then the flashbacks comes because before i wasn't even having these flashbacks i won't lie to you but recently this was last year this was when i was like oh no i need to speak to someone i need to open up about this so i finally opened up to my friends because my friends didn't even know it happened again to me mm -hmm. so i finally spoke up to one of them because apparently people felt i was just i was seeing this person but i wasn't seeing the person it was more of i was raped and i found myself going back to that person just so it didn't feel like rape to me mm. so i was just trying to do something to make it feel like oh we're just hanging out but really i was raped but i didn't want it to look like rape right, right. so I finally opened up to my friend and then I was like, oh, you know, this person that I was seeing, oh, this person raped me the first time. And that's why I keep constantly going back there. And then how did I heal? I would say the first step was opening up. That was the first step for me, not necessarily to the whole entire public, but to people who are, you know, really close to me. That was my first step. I opened up to them. I told them my story and I felt a relief in my heart. It felt like I was holding something in my heart and I just let it out. And and I would say, secondly, was I spoke to a professional. I did therapy for a while. I spoke to a professional who helped me. I was able to realize how to deal with these feelings. Like I said previously, I was blaming myself, right? Therapy helped me to process these feelings, helped me to understand that it was someone who hurts me and I didn't hurt myself. Mm -hmm. And it helped me to understand the love that I had for myself. I wouldn't say that I've completely healed from it, but I would say that I'm doing way better than I was, right? Yeah. Having a little community of people where you can share your experiences with, it's very important because it helps you feel like you're not alone. It helps you to calm a little bit. It helps you to handle it just a little differently when you know that you're not the only one. And there are also people going through this and it just gives you that good community, right? But I know not everybody, you know, feels comfortable talking about themselves in details and all that. But for me, it was just like I was letting something go, you know, something that you've kept in your heart for years. And then finally, you're just opening up, you're just speaking about it. And it just helped me. And I would say that those are the three things that really, really helped me. And, and most importantly, I'm a Christian and mm -hmm. I believe in God. And I would say that another thing that helped me was prayers. Praying in the sense that, you know, when you're talking to God and it's just telling him exactly how you feel, because speaking to a human being, there could be filters right yeah. for me when i'm praying believe it's just me and god so i'm opening up i'm saying everything as it is and i just feel so much lighter if that makes mm. sense so yeah, yeah. It helps me a lot because I'm more assertive now, you know, in certain situations. Now that I understand, you know, what consent means and all that, I try to educate myself, you know, in terms of rape, in terms of sexual abuse. I try to understand, you know, the different forms of sexual abuse. I, that just really helps. It's what you're knowledgeable about that you will have the confidence to speak on. But I would say at most, what really, really helped me was speaking to a professional because when I spoke to my friends, people might just want to sympathize with you but they don't really understand what you're going through but you know when you speak to somebody who is a professional in that i feel like they have the right words to use to help you to understand your trauma 
I totally agree. I have seen a therapist myself that was trauma-informed and it it does make a big difference being validated in that way. And I also have tried to educate myself as well for the same reasons. It really helped me understand what happened to me. I was so young when this did happen to me and I didn't know what consent even meant. I didn't know what rape really entailed. And so being able to define those terms and understand what predators looked like, what tactics they used to manipulate you, you know, all the different things. It validated my story and it also helped me feel empowered to understand what I had gone through and put language and vocabulary around it because then it made me feel like I wasn't crazy. Like this is a real thing and this does happen to other people. I also agree that like community and support and hearing other people's stories is so powerful that even if you don't have people in your personal life that will understand or that you're able to talk about, there are so many communities and support groups online that social media has made it so much easier to connect with other people from all around the world. And and there's so many foundations and support groups that you can join to be able to have that kind of support in that way yeah it doesn't necessarily have to be people that you know personally just yeah people everywhere who have similar stories or different stories which you can learn from and it will just help you i would also say that for me when i'm in this space i'll use this word nurture myself nurture my feeling Mm -hmm. i try to allow myself take good care of myself in that space. I didn't indulge in these negative thoughts and it just helped me to feel better, if that made sense. You know, I was treating myself very differently. Like you said before, you feel empowered, right? You you just feel different, you know, just try to treat yourself. You know, when these thoughts come, you're like, oh no, you're enough. It's your body. It's your choice. This doesn't make you feel less than a human being. You know, you're not worthless, you know, because people who have been raped, you know, there's this stigma where you feel like something has been taken away from you. You feel like you're no longer the same person. You feel worthless. Mm -hmm. You feel like, you know, you're less than who you used to be. But I try to re-empower myself as little as I could just to feel feel strong, to feel like that strong woman. And I would say, however, whenever at first, when these thoughts came and all that, I tried to cry out my feelings. And I would say that helped. Because one day I just sat down on my bed and I cried it out because I never cried when it happened. I never really paid attention to how I felt. But one year later, I saw myself crying my eyes out. And I would say that I felt a little bit lighter because it was like, oh, all these bottled up emotions. I just let everything out. It just made me feel very different. I'm sure that would be like a physical release of all of that emotion that you were suppressing and and shoving down after that happened to you. So allowing you the space to feel them is huge. So we've kind of touched on it here and there, but for anyone that's unclear on what rape culture is, let's define it and break it down. So what is rape culture and maybe how has rape culture affected you within the context of your story? So I would say for me, rape culture is just an environment where rape is normalized. Culture of rape, sexual abuse is very normalized. So I would say for me, I grew up basically in Nigeria and all that. Part of my university was in Nigeria and I would say rape culture was very normal. People today do not even know they are being raped because it was very normal. This is just as a result 
of lack of education. They see that this thing is normal, right? When they try to manipulate or gaslight, they feel like it's normal. They feel like they've got game. They know how to sweet talk. But at the end of the day, it's not really about you having game. It's just you raping a woman, you know, manipulating, forcing her to do things that she doesn't want to do. And you not even physical force, but you leave her with no choice. That was how it has been in my environment. That was the culture, the culture where women can't even speak up. Like if you speak up, they'll ask you, why were you going to the club? What were you expecting? What's your reason for going to the club? What's your expectation? Wasn't it for you to follow someone home and have sex with the person? That's how we were all groomed, right? That's what we've seen as a very normal. I think rape culture is a heavy emphasis on what the women or the victim, whoever it may be, has done to put themselves in that situation or has done to bring this upon themselves rather than holding men accountable. And it's a lot of excusing perpetrators' actions and boys will be boys. You know, they have a high sex drive. They have needs and like you can't lead them on. You can't put yourself in that situation. You can't wear that thing because they just can't help themselves. And it's excusing them from any sort of accountability. Like, yes, they can control themselves they can choose to not force themselves on me like it is a lot of emphasis on well what did you do to make him do that and it's like you don't have to do anything he is in control of his actions and he can be held accountable for his actions even the education around rape is like how can you protect yourself what can you do not to get yourself in that situation instead of educating like men or perpetrators on how not to rape and what consent is and that this isn't okay and holding yourselves accountable teaching women or survivors of sexual assault how not to get assaulted is just a band-aid fix because at the end of the day they're not doing the crime it's frustrating yes it's also very frustrating even in terms of sexual explicit jokes right you grew up in a situation where in schools rape jokes are are normalized like you hear boys say things like oh by the time i touch her hair touch her hair touch her hair she will agree or you say oh you can't do all these things to me you can't bring me to your house and both of us will be in the same room nothing will happen something has to happen you know they make certain rape jokes Mm -hmm. and these rape jokes also promote rape culture Everybody should have self-control. So saying boys will be boys is just dismissing the fact that they cannot take accountability for their actions. Another crazy thing, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to focus just on women, right? A lot of men have been sexually abused. I don't know how it is at your side of the world, but in Nigeria, a lot of men will tell you that their first sexual experience has been with somebody way older than them. They're probably at the age of 14 Mm. or 12. And their first sexual experience was with a girl who was like maybe 20, 21, and they are 14. Mm. They've normalized it. It's very normal to them because I've had conversations with people and they tell me, oh yes, that was their first sexual experience. And And I was like, did you consent to that? And you can't even give consent at 14 because no. you're still a child this was very normal for boys this is very normal for boys as well and they don't even speak about it today but a lot of men 
they've been sexually abused. Their first sexual experience has been sexual abuse. And we've just normalized it. You know, saying things that, oh, weak men get raped. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, guys will say, oh, you know, I wasn't raped. You know, I'm a strong guy. I wanted it, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, they were just young boys who didn't know what they were doing. Also, this whole thing of when guys take girls on a date, their fellow male friends are like, so how can you spend 24 hours with a woman and not do anything with her? You know, certain conversations like that promotes rape culture. I've seen male friends or just people around me that as I've opened up, they they get angry about what happened to me. And they're like, oh, if I saw him, like I would beat him up. I just want to kill that guy. Like, and they get all protective, but I'm like, okay, that's fine. But are you actually doing something about it in your own circles? Are you holding your friends accountable when they say degrading or belittling things about women or they joke about sexual assault or rape? Like, yeah. What are you actually doing to protect women and to hold your friends accountable? Because you just getting all macho man protective saying that you would do something after it happens. Like, what are you yeah. doing to prevent it? People who cover up for their friends. That's also another thing. You see guys, they cover up for their friends who have abused people just because they're friends. They cover up for them. That also promotes the entire rape culture. I feel like there's a lot of things that have to do with rape culture, deep rooted down to the sexual education you even get at home. They don't teach children consent. Nobody right. teaches you how to say no. That you can also even be in a situation where you've started whatever you're doing and you just don't feel like doing it anymore and you have the right to say no. Right. Nobody right. teaches anybody that. Well, and it's not portrayed in any of the media we watch. So if we're not getting like a comprehensive, accurate sex education and consent education, we learn sexuality and sexual relationships from media. And so in movies and TV shows and even porn, you know, consent is not shown that it just it happens. If you're in that situation, it's just inevitable. Like you just normalize that, that you know, asking for consent is, it's not sexy or it's not needed if you're in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we're just kind of failing all around <laughs> when it comes to yes. teaching yes. Yeah. and helping kids understand consent. Mm -hmm. He said people don't even realize, even in marriages, you can get raped because they feel, oh, okay, my body is your body. You own me. Mm -hmm. You know, in a marriage, people feel like, oh, okay, this person owns me. It's my duty to yes. have sex with the person. So if we don't even learn things like this, how can even your parents, how can they even educate you when they are also even being raped in their marriages as well? So it's a lot. It's a lot of unlearning to do. And to be honest, I would say everyone should just try to be very open mm -hmm. and unlearn these things. I had to unlearn a lot. I was just realizing, oh, wow, wow, like I could say no in this situation. Like I have the right to say no. And I had to unlearn these things on my own. And I know it's going to be very hard trying yeah. to teach people, but there are also a whole lot of people who don't know. And that's why rape education is very, very important for me. Every opportunity I get, I always try to speak on it because people are still getting raped. 
there is a lot of like justification and gaslighting that happens afterwards where it's like, no, 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 you wanted it. You kissed me. We went on a date or you were wearing this and trying to like justify and excuse whatever they did. Mm -hmm. There just isn't enough dialogue around what it actually looks like and what consent actually means for all of us to be on the same page. An important key in teaching consent is the fact that coercion isn't consent. Because I know there's a heavy emphasis on no means no, yes means yes. But what if you were pressured and initially you said no, but then they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing or guilt tripping you or threatening you and saying like, you know, if you loved me, you would do this or, you know, you wanted this and, and breaking your boundaries down until you feel like you have to say yes or feeling like. But I will say that's very normalized. Like I was saying before, you know, telling guys that, oh, you you don't have good game. Mm -hmm. So when they are trying to prove they have game, they start telling you things like, oh, are you going to give me blue balls? Or they start telling you different things. Oh, you know, we've come a long way. What's wrong? I will take it slowly. They say different things. And at the end of the day, you didn't even want to do it. But they said these things and you're just like, oh, okay, let's just get over with. It's a very bad situation. Like when someone tells you they don't want something, don't force it. Don't try to manipulate or convince them. Just leave them be. When they want to, they will. Don't try to lie say different things to try to make the person to change their initial answer i like that you keep on mentioning like this narrative around like you have good game because even outside of sex like if someone tries hitting you up and pursuing you and you're not interested i feel like there's this culture where guys or even women can like keep pressuring and pushing and pushing or like keep pursuing you or bugging you even though you yeah tried to say like i'm not interested i don't want to be with you i don't want to go on a date with you but there isn't any type of education that like like just leave them alone if the woman doesn't want to be with you like respect yeah. that respect those boundaries. respect that if she wants you at the end of the day she would come to you so it's not about trying to convince the person or trying to manipulate the person or coerce the person into yeah. doing what they don't you know women for example i don't know how it is for men but i will speak for myself as a woman you'll be in situations where you don't even want to go on a date with somebody but they just come and disturb you keep sending you messages or calling you or telling you things like oh just give me a chance or what can i do to make you change your mind you know and you're just like oh my god okay let's just do something it's so much pressure and i don't know it's so easy for some people to say you know stand by your no it's not really easy for everybody to say stand by their no when somebody's pressuring you especially of the opposite sex because you know we live in a very misogynistic environment where we believe that you know men are stronger there's this very subtle pressure for you to even say yes to the man because you already believe that men are somewhat superior that's how we've been brought off that's the kind of environment we live in so you find yourself saying yes to him and somebody else will come and say oh you should have said no it's not taking into account the whole situation that your boundaries were continuously pushed down and and broken down and it's exhausting to be constantly pressured and nagged and (laughs) even threatened and feeling like you have no choice but to say yes 
it's scary and that's mm-hmm. not consensual that even if you gave in maybe said yes it's like no you you initially said no and you maybe felt like fearful mm-hmm. and that you didn't even have the option to say yes i think mm-hmm. consent is about having a choice to say no that you feel safe enough that you could say no and be respected there's situations where women are portrayed to be i would use the word a bitch or mm-hmm. she's being cold some you know women I, I used to be that girl that if i'm not interested in speaking to you especially if a man wants to speak to me i give up a straight face i say i'm not interested in speaking to you i don't speak to you but then people now made it come off like oh i'm very rude i'm very proud that as a woman i shouldn't be like that i should be you know smile more and i should be a little less angry all the time when people say things like that in my head i'm like okay i'm trying to be nice i'm trying to entertain everybody's conversation at the end of the day i don't even want to speak to you but it's the whole growing up people telling me oh stop giving that bitch face you need to smile more you need to be more accommodating to people and all that and then at the end of the day i see myself entertaining rubbish (laughs) because somebody out there is trying to talk to me and i don't want to speak to you but then i don't want to come off as a bitch i don't want to come off as being proud or being rude just smiling i'm saying oh no i'm not interested thank you in my head i just want to say no get out of my face but i have to come off as as a nice person just because i'm a woman i have to smile so if you could go back during any of the times that you were sexually abused what would you tell that younger past version of yourself i would say to my younger self that I shouldn't feel the need to please anybody. I should stand my ground that I'm not comfortable with something. Try to call people out for when they do something that you do not like. So to kind of wrap up, what would you say to someone struggling in that place? And and what do you want listeners to take away from this episode? So anybody out there listening to this episode of podcast and you're healing or you just being sexually abused i just want to say to you that you would heal from me take baby steps try not to pressure yourself just take baby steps and eventually you overcome this and i also want to say to you that you're not alone try to reach out to people and you would heal eventually this is not Mm -hmm. the end of the world don't feel like your life is over you still have your entire life to yourself try new things try different things Things. don't prevent yourself from going as far as you want to in life just because of this experience and you'll get through this trust me you will get through this i love that thank you for sharing that message and thank you for being so open about your story and being here today i really appreciate it and i really appreciate you and your voice so if people want to reach out and connect with you or work with you where can they find you you can connect with me with my podcast. It's RWC Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Also, you can also connect with me on my personal Instagram, which is Chidi Banks, C H I D Y B A N G S underscore. Perfect. I will have all of those linked in the show notes for anyone that is interested. My podcast is also available on all platforms, Google Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Radio Public. Perfect. 
So I always end off my episodes with a little song recommendation because music has been so powerful in my own healing journey. So I just want to ask you, do you have a song that deeply resonates with you in your story? Whenever I'm feeling down, I have this one song that keeps me in a good spirit. And I would say Reckless Love by mm-hmm. Curry Asprey. And why that song? Reminds me of how special I am and the relationship that I have with God. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Again, thank you for being here. I really appreciated this conversation with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I hope that people who listen to this would learn a lot from this. For someone to be able to take one or two things. I'm also very grateful for you to allow me to share my story because I haven't never shared my story to the public before. So this is my first time. I feel honored to be doing this on your podcast. So thank you. I'm honored that this was your first time and I was able to hold that space for you. And you were such a natural. I couldn't even tell that it was your first time. So you're amazing. Thank you. All right. That's all we have for you guys today. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.